Base Life Podcast, Episode 10, with Sam Hardy. Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to Base Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. But yes, Sam, so welcome to the Base Life Podcast. How are you doing, man? Sweet. Are we live? Yeah, we, we are, are live. We are recording. Just going straight in, no no pre-game talk or anything. Nah, just well, diving right in. <laughs> you, you could, yeah, you know awesome, how it goes. Yeah. I know how you guys are. <laughs> right? <laughs> jump jump first, it. ask questions later. <laughs> exactly. It's a nice attitude to have. And I, think, I do recall this when we did this. Um, we did one last year, didn't we? And it yeah. Completely yeah. went to ship. Well, that was that was our literally our very first recording that is... In the archives, the we'll uh, never see the light of day. No, nah, uh, there are good bits that we can get out of that, but we learned yeah. a lot that day. Um, and we thank you for being so willing to just hop on a mic with us because we had no control of our surroundings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or there or our, there were people coming and going, people hopping on mics, uh, just random. A lot, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of learning occurred. <laughs> But, yeah, and I think um, at one point there was like nine or ten or eleven people in the room. Oh yeah, and yeah. we went through a few bottles of whiskey. I seem to recall you falling asleep when it happened, Randy. Uh, at some point, there there were multiple <laughs> moments where I had to tap out. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. And we were just like ah, just let it go. <laughs> just, <laughs> just see what we get. <laughs> yeah, it's too good, man. But that yeah. Kept me up. So at that cool, point, so phase two. Yeah, so this is yeah. phase two, which means that uh, this yeah. recording will actually be episode ten. Yeah, of the Base Life oh, wow, podcast. Oh, up to ten already. Yeah, yeah, man. That's so cool. Yeah, so we basically uh, that's ten usable recordings. There, there's, <laughs> there's quite a few that we're just. Mm. We've actually done like thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> but due to censorship laws, we've had to uh, cut it back. Yeah. So Sam, what, what, you're in Japan right now. What are you doing over there? Mm-hmm. I am uh, on a snowboarding trip with my girlfriend, Steph, at the moment. Oh, yeah. big shout out to Steph. Hello, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And yeah, we, we uh, spent like uh, four or five days in Tokyo, like hanging around there, which was super nice. And I went and got a bridge jump in with um, Sam Hazel, who's lived here for like 17 years, and uh, Yasu, who's like a famous Japanese bass jumper, who's been jumping for 27 years, dude. Whoa! Yeah, based on over twenty-seven years, he has like just over five hundred jumps. He's fifty-four. Wow! And he's just like charging. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so that's sort of been the lowdown. So, so he started when he was about my age, right now, like uh, yes. twenty years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was. He was. Uh, he's a good person to hang around with, mm. and um, just awesome dude, man. Like he's one of he's one of the monkeys for sure. Yeah, what is the what's the base jumping scene in Japan like? There, there's a few, there's a couple people around, but nothing, nothing crazier. There's just uh, as far as I know, there's Sam and uh, Yasu, and then Atsu is Japanese, but he lives in Northern California, and there's like one other guy somewhere else. Wow, as well, and that's pretty much it. Because I'm just thinking Tokyo equals London when it comes to oh, tall my buildings. God. Dude, Brian is absolutely just amazing. I bet like landing I, areas could be a bit spicy in the in the city like yeah, that. Yeah, like I had a look at one building that um, actually Scotty Bob was at like a week before 
I was there and um, he managed to get on top. But apparently, it was quite windy for him when he went to try and jump it. But I did have a, I had a look at the landing hurricane. area, walked around, checked all the security out, and then when it came time to it, you know that sort of uh, inner gut feeling. I was like, uh, uh, I don't want to ruin the holiday in snowboarding. Uh, I'm not going to do it. And then yeah. ran away. <laughs> And we call that base decision making, right? Yeah, that's... Is that um, is that what you call it now? Base decision making, <laughs> something like that. I just made. Yeah, that. I like that quotation. It's good. Yeah, we're, we're like these days. We're always looking for excuses, almost not to jump. You know, like the the jumps will happen. You put yourself in the right place, right time. But you know, yes, having, having yeah. that ability to walk away and. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're in a new country, new spot, uh, I I can feel that yeah. urge coming. But you know, you gotta. Everything's got to line up just right for mm-hmm. it to be perfect. Yeah. And and another thing was as well is that jumping on your own is super fun and like exploring different things. But actually, like it's quite nice to have the second set of eyes there for like a new object in mm-hmm. an urban environment as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a good excuse to come back. Yeah. Well, you know that's the funny thing, and, and maybe you get this jumping with uh, Nate a lot, but like with Brian and I, like we have so much of the same influences and so much of uh, the similar exposure that we look at the same thing. So a lot of times, like if I'm looking at something and, and hearing him sort of validate what I'm thinking makes me feel good. But at the same time, like, well, I know we, we have almost the same inputs. So getting an, a set of eyes outside of, you know, his even like is something I'm, I look for every now and then. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, I think that totally makes sense. It's always good to have like a partner in crime with, um, with all this, with a, especially with this activity, and someone mm-hmm. that can either do both, like bring out. Ultimately, you want someone that can bring out the best sides of you with a with a jumping partner, mm-hmm. but also can have like a completely different approach on something. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, maybe we could do this, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that variable. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So that's you know that's definitely something that I share with share and have shared a lot with with Nate, and and you know not too long ago as well we were jumping together so yeah it's cool it's good to have a partner yeah and and you guys went on a legit mission in uh, ethiopia not too long ago right yeah that was um we're getting on two years for that now so oh uh, time uh, time just flies for me but i feel like ethiopia just happened like yeah it's crazy yeah i mean that was just like i don't think that we had quite prepared ourselves for the every single ingredient that was going to happen there mm-hmm. so mm. for the ju- for the jumping and obviously for the charitable side of stuff as well was just we aimed pretty high and we like we were shocked at what we did there right. so was, uh, i think we opened <laughs> nailed it five or six exits yeah yeah, yeah fully, fully like nailed it right <laughs> let's go home we're gonna make it out here alive as well <laughs> yeah yeah step one live yeah we'll we'll add uh add a link to your video for project base um in mm. the in the show notes yeah that'd be cool man that'd be really good yeah yeah man so japan for a snowboarding trip then yes, what sir. so 2018 is yeah what's your you we're know, already into february yeah what's your march through the rest of the year look like uh more or less it's uh is it's packed it's absolutely packed I uh, got like basically through like kind of kind of March through April, just warming up into the the season before the summer starts. I've just have like more free time to myself to do creative things that I want to do, and mm-hmm. a bit of wingsuit coaching and and stuff like that. And then I'm trying to plan a trip with um, over in the states up to Montana at the Ooh. start of April. 
to do some wingsuit base up there, which should be cool. And then just, yeah, normal season. So the events in China, tons of courses, uh, different. Oh, there's something else that I could talk about as well that's happening that I'll, I can come back to. <laughs> okay. Um, do I, I can just make I a little just, asterisk to bring that up in a minute if you want. Or... Yeah, because um, that would be really cool to talk, to talk about, actually. Um, and then, yeah, tons of base courses, loads of coaching, trip to Dolomites, all, over, all through Europe. And you know, like how it rolls, it's just it's full power. Switches on as soon as as soon as that first jump happens, like over in back in Europe. <laughs> yeah, every, every <laughs> year, like you, like you're, uh, yeah. you you posted a, a video of um, it was kind of like a selfie or one second every day kind of thing or two seconds, and yeah, yeah, just watching that yeah. was it, completely exhausting. But and there were quite a few times in there was like I, I where I knew we were a part of those moments, and yeah. I remember how tired I was that weekend because. Usually, when we're with you, it's it's full on. No matter what we're doing, it's a hundred percent. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but I remember watching that that uh, little. I think it was on Instagram, but just being like, "Holy crap, that was a year right there." I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> can't it's, be. Uh, you can't be mad about twenty seventeen. Like that, that was legit. No, and you know what happens as well. I don't mean it to like sound like oh this is bad, but it's like I I would say watch back over that, and I'm like fuck, I still need to do so much more. Mm. Like, there's so much more, like, to go out and chase. And um, and that that happened after watching that. I was like, fuck, it was pretty good, actually. Like, you know, did, like, just show 300 base jumps, a handful of skydiving, and went to t- tons of different countries and um, other little missions, like, left, right, and center. But it's always, like, I, was, I look at it, and I think, fuck, I could just, like, just go and, like, make 2018 even more awesome, you know, because... Yeah. Why not? Now, are are you going to be in the valley for the VBG opening party? It's uh, oh, like the nineteenth and twentieth of May. We pushed it way back. Yes, I will be there because nice. that was what I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> ah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing. The old put a put a check next to that asterisk. From so. <laughs> good. So I so we have May to look forward to. At the very least, we'll see you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that that weekend actually, this would be kind of kind of cool to talk about. So, um, just with a bit of insight to stuff and the way things are progressing at the moment, basically that weekend, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth, I have put together a uh, free coaching workshop weekend. Oh, yeah. With, Very fun. Um, coaches, which will be Dukes, Robin. Robert Pecknick, Jean-Noël, and Edo Senica yeah. as well. That's an all-star so crowd got, right there. Yeah, yeah. So we've got basically I've put together an event. It's three days. Uh, the Friday and the Saturday are uh, jumping days. Dudes is going to do a talk on the Friday night about um, his sort of time and life in this sport. And he's going to do, I think he's going for a different concept, which uh, I just spoke to him about. It actually sounds awesome. Like I can't wait to hear him talk about it all. And the Saturday evening is the BBG opening party with Jean-Noël, um, Andre from Ater, Jean-Noël from Adrenaline Base, and Robbie Pecknick from Phoenix Fly will be doing, um, bringing it down all the new gear and talking about it and sort of showing what's up with all the gear. And then the Sunday is an accuracy competition. Ooh, something I yeah. might actually like not embarrass yeah. myself too badly at. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really, really happy to like 
Um, now now I'm going to like together. totally eat shit. <laughs> as soon as yeah. I said that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so there's that whole weekend that I think is going to be really nice. And I hope that between the community, you know, we can get as many people there as possible. And there's, there's a really good raffle nice. as well, which is going to be sweet. Nice. For sure. well, this, uh, this episode should air early March. Um, so, Perfect. so there's plenty yeah. of time for the 10 people that listen to, uh, to make plans for, for yeah for me call out to anyone that's listening please come down for an awesome weekend yeah <laughs> yeah because freebase 2017 was pretty awesome mm. and we just yeah the one that we did pulled last it year, together um was was it was really good we were super happy with the turnout yeah and i feel like it's really nice way to do stuff you know like just get amongst it and share stuff and talk about things like it's because all the evidence and all the information's there it's just the way that it's shared sort of gets lost sometimes but mm -hmm. I, I like that sort of authentic way of doing stuff and it's it's by the people for the people you know it's right cool. yep yeah and i find that the more you share like the more and the more you try to help others succeed the more you're going to succeed as well so it's uh it's one of those things that the more you give the more you receive and, uh, yeah, and I I think like my the the sort of my in my feelings inside towards like running a a weekend like that, and it could obviously be anything, but it's like if if anyone's has something to say, and it's acknowledged in a correct manner, and then that piece of information gets shared to someone else, say with less or even more experience, that could be like such um, a large tool and basically really really good piece of information to have and to share that it could like prevent an accident from happening yeah. or um have someone look at something in a different light it's but it's that's what it's about is about having that sort of workshop environment and sharing all of that news between each other you know yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah and i i missed last year's but i'm really looking forward to this year's yeah so it'll be great man it'll be super cool yeah so uh Sam, you're probably one of the most transient uh, friends we have as far as, like, where, you know, I get online, where where in the world is Sam right now? <laughs> and what is <laughs> Sam doing? And uh, we're kind of wondering how you cultivated that life. Because uh, when we first met, you were traveling around Europe in a van. Um, you, it was you and Jay hitting a bunch of jumps here in the valley and traveling around. And then uh, I've always known you to be, It's it never surprises me when we, you turn up in a strange part of the world uh, where we just happen to be jumping but how how did you cultivate that sort of uh transient traveler life if you will uh that's a that's a good question because i think i often ask myself that like how the hell did i end up here this time <laughs> right <laughs> um, it's like i don't actually know where to say i mean i know where you're you know from quote unquote but like I don't, I don't know where you're calling home ever, you know, cause it's like, you'll be here for a minute and then next thing you know, you're over there for a minute and just want to know how you do that. And I have a follow up yeah, question. <laughs> I think, I think like, well, obviously one of the main things is work. So it's always a financial thing, which is like, how can you finance yourself to be able to do something like that? And I don't know how it happened, but I always ended up sort of following my passions for the sports that I enjoyed doing and then finding locations where I could do those sports, but basically being um, somewhere different each time. So for example, when I first left school, I went to Africa to be a raft guide. It was like the first thing I did. Um, and I was 17 when I did that. I think I had my 18th 
birthday or 17th birthday in Kenya. And then that was like one thing. And then after that, I like moved to France and I was a canoe guide and a climbing guide. And it sort of all just took this trail and you never quite know where you're going to go or what you're going to do. But I just tried to base it around the work that I was doing. Um, and then obviously when skydiving happens, that's very sort of, we all know like from the background of that, because I know that um, yourself, Randy, has wor have worked in skydiving, mm -hmm. but that's a very transient uh, sport to work with if you have the sort of willingness and courage to get up and go and travel around and check out different drop zones and hope you can get a job and right whatnot. find but, that place that kind of matches with your personality and yeah yeah and, and try and like i've always said that when i was in a place i'd always try and take the most advantage that i could of being there and it, actually even thinking about that like all the time i always try and do that like regardless of where i am so yeah and then it's it's, it's just made a little path for it and then obviously Duke's um reached out to me uh, three years ago and asked us to join the learn to base jump so that's been like a another thing that keeps you traveling but it's it's all uh, it's all structured and planned as well i know exactly where i'm going to be at what time and for how long and it's good i like i like the the sense of adventure and the opportunities that you can take from that you know yeah for sure so that said as a professional traveler we uh, we have a, a question that was sent in to us by uh, Charlie from the Horner Pub, where we are recording right now. We are recording from the packing room in the Horner Pub right now. Oh, no way. That's so cool. Yeah. Great little location to do it from, boys. Absolutely. Right. And so Charlie wanted to know, and all of us really, um, you know, as a professional traveler, other than the obvious kind of things, what are those three things that you have to travel with? What are your three go-to things that you make sure to always have on you? Well, that's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, it I doesn't really have like to be my... three things per se, but... <laughs> three things? The, the things, with. you know, that you never leave home without. Yeah. And don't say Phoenix, because I, I see, <laughs> we I all see know somebody you babysitting you don't Phoenix. Need Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I would be fucking lying if I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would say first thing would probably be my wash bag. And I know that's, like, really cliché. But there's the small things in life, like brushing your teeth and moisturizing your face and shaving your beard, which, like, I know they're three things, but within the wash bag. Or, and painting your toenails and cutting them. They're always, like, <laughs> really satisfying things, and they're all held in, like, one thing. So there's a lot of joy that comes from a wash bag, I believe. That's, that would be the first pick. Um, <laughs> does that sound <laughs> stupid or not? No, no, no. <laughs> Whatever you say, we're happy to hear <laughs> And then, I don't know, like, I'm sort of looking at my stuff and thinking, like, now I'm in, like, obviously in Japan, I'm thinking, what do I have here that I travel with all the time? And I always have my Mac with me. Right. So I always have um, Mac and a camera, because they sort of go hand in hand. And that's for work, for emails, and then obviously for editing. And Yeah, you can't do one just, second a day if you don't have those yeah. with you. Yeah, that's, like, one of the, one of the things. So, um, and then... I really want to say something that I never travel with, travel without, which is uh, Stanley. Um, he's always, always been around <laughs> since. Do you know who Stanley is? Is that the flat thing? You... The flat Stanley? What? Is that a, the kids thing? Like where you take the picture? No. Tell us what no. Stanley is. Clearly we don't know I'm what it sure, is. <laughs> I'm sure you've met Stanley before. Mm, 
is Stanley a stuffed animal? No, he's 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 made of metal, and he sits really good in a pocket. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, I think I uh, replaced Stanley's bottom half at one point. Yeah, you could you could well have done. <laughs> Very yeah. nice, sweet. <clears throat> I, I didn't know Stanley had a name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where. Like, I think. I don't, well, he, it says Stanley on it, so it's nice to have a good hip flask that um, gets to travel around as well. And he's always there. He's always in my bag. You can see him now. Then I was incorrect. He's right there. It was yeah. not. It was. It was not the uh, the crack pipe. Oh, that's just that's always on this. No, the hip <laughs> well, also known as like a, just a vape pen. Like, that's what that's <laughs> yeah, what I thought you were referring to. It's always there. <laughs> nice. Speaking yeah, of which, so where is where is Phoenix? Phoenix is in California at the moment. Ah, he's, nice. Uh, he's with his his best buddy, and he's at dog camp, which oh. is like. Uh, a camp for dogs to go to, and he's staying there at the moment. So is dog camp like militant dog camp? Like he's actually getting trained, or he's running around in a field with a like baby tub of water to play in? Exactly that, yeah. He's yeah. running around in a field having the time of his life. Very cool. I, he, he looks like he'd be a fun uh, SoCal dog. That yeah, he's, he's, he's his personality right type. Yeah. yeah, he works down. He's like, oh, you know, like... He's he's kind of a bit of a hipster for a dog as well, so it kind of works. <laughs> that's a crack pipe. <laughs> yeah, that's just the vape yes, pin. It's just the vape pin. No one is doing crack on the podcast. There is no crack going. Oh shit! I'm just kicking, knocking tables over. Maybe, maybe Brian's on crack. He's making all noises like, over why here. Why did they go so quiet when I was like taking a? Taking a <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. let's see. So All right, there's three things right there. Yeah. Okay. So no, uh, no quirky like uh, travel socks or uh, you know neck pillow that you've had since birth or something. Nah, I think you you can always you can always replace that stuff. Yeah. It's hard to replace uh, some things, you know. How did you learn how to sleep on a plane? I don't. Oh. Uh. Oh. Yeah. I don't know where I learned to do it, but I do it all the time out of necessity, but. Uh, yeah, I like. I I don't know. Do you actually see on planes like every buff, single time you travel? Bro, uh, two, two days every time. As of the time of this recording, uh, forty-eight hours ago, I was on a plane coming back from Africa, and uh, I made the junior varsity mistake of forgetting to check in ahead of time, and it wasn't with the. I wasn't flying with a partner that I normally uh, fly with, so uh, I I ended up with like a middle seat for a seven-hour flight and. I just had to go to my dark, happy place and just zone out and just. Thankfully, it was an overnight, but uh, woke up, ugh, not yeah. not feeling great. Whereas for me, oh. in general, I can if if I'm in the right. I mean, granted, if it's a two p.m. flight, yeah, there might not be much sleeping going on. But some of those hard long haul flights, I can be out cold before wheels up. Oh, and then I jealous. get, and then I get so upset when they turn the lights on and like try to feed you some six a.m. breakfast of like mushy, soggy toast and a terrible thing of yogurt and yeah, it's never vacuum quite right. sealed orange and it's juice. The aftermath of plain food that's like the worst part because I always get really constipated after I eat plain food. Yeah. Like I can't poop for ages. 
Like it super messes up my insides, basically. Boom, and we've hit that point. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we, well, so we could go two different directions. The, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna okay. go with the the first question about poop. Why do you think we can't go a single conversation? Or let's say just within a day. Why is it most of our friends and the base jumping community will always bring up something about? Who? Fecal matter. And before I, before you answer, yeah. Sam, I just want to say, because I, I threw out a quick, uh, you know, hey, you know, on Instagram, like uh, we're talking to Sam and Dukes, and uh, what do you guys want to know about? And so at least two of our friends on there asked poo questions, and I'm like, <laughs> so there's there is a special connection with poo, but it, at in general, what do you think it is about our friends? Why do we always talk about with, poop? Right. Right, so I'm I'm happy to answer both questions because ah. I work with my sleeve, uh, so that's totally fine. Um, but I will go down the route first of answering the original poop question, which is, you know, like when I just brought up the poop conversation just then, mm-hmm. what happened to you guys? Uh, smiles, lots of exactly. smiles. Exactly. So I think that that is like there's this connection with like poop that is like kind of funny. Yeah. In a way. Um, a, we had this discussion, in fact. Uh, we were sitting at a drop zone talking about poop with a bunch of Germans. <laughs> See, even you said it makes me laugh. Yeah. And the, 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 the question, or somebody, there was a, you know, of course there's girls surrounding us, and all of a sudden somebody farts. And all the dudes laugh, and the girls kind of give you a like raised eyebrow, like, are you serious? Yeah. And we discussed the fact that poo is funny. And the fact, the the proof in that is that when a baby farts, it laughs at itself. Yes. The fact so it's from birth. He, the the baby has never developed a concept of comedy, doesn't understand sh- social norms and you know mores. So, literally, poop and farts are funny because a baby you know proved it. I think that that's a really nice concept for the for that sort of topic as well. <laughs> and so uh Lilu Dallas Multipass uh Instagram <laughs> oh Instagram screen name <laughs> specifically wants to know if you prefer winter poo or summer poo. <laughs> um I don't even know if that what that means if there's something behind that or I'm trying to like figure out if there's like a deep meaning to this. Mm-hmm. Um but I can't. Right? Um, well, and I'm not used I, to asking yeah. questions from people, so like I, I, uh, I don't know if half of these questions are are troll troll questions or serious questions. I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Winter poop or summer poop? I'd say like summer poops are really good because mm. when you go like hiking, I actually can talk about a funny poop story. So <laughs> just quickly, <laughs> as we're on the topic, um, there was a jump down in France like three or four years ago when Nate and me had first started jumping together. Um, there's an exit down there uh, called Point de Plate, which is just outside of Chamonix. And we jumped it like, I don't know, we, that was sort of like a training ground for a little while. Big, nice rock drop, and we sort of built up like nice train flights from there. And um, we'd always hike it super early in the morning before the winds would start about 11 o'clock. And I remember the path exactly. I can like literally visualize it, the whole path of the way up. And we get to this point about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours into the walk. And... Um, 
just on this beautiful ridgeline. You know, you can see the whole of the Mont Blanc region and the sun's perfect and the heat's nice and you've just exercised so you're like sweating a little bit and it's just beautiful and every single time we got there regardless Nate was always like oh poop done <laughs> and he'd had he had this special little rock where he'd go and do his sort of like ritual poop session you know would... and that would just be something that was kind of funny because then I you know he'd, he'd take a good distance mm-hmm. like 100 meters away I'd be sat there sort of taking in everything and watching the Ravens play with each other and eating a banana. And then you just get this whiff of poop and you can't be angry about it because we all do it. Well, of course. But it was always just a funny poop story. So The pre-jump dump. Remember. Pre-jump dump, exactly. I cannot, do you want me to, sh- can I share something embarrassing? Absolutely. Right now? Okay, I'll keep this one quick as well. That's okay. <laughs> this is, I'm just I gonna... don't think you know this. <laughs> I don't think many people know this, and I can apologise to Nate now if he's listening. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a poop story about Nate right now because it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, we went up to an exit um, called Voyard in France. Uh, well, it's like an hour away from Chamonix, and we took uh, a couple of friends up there. Uh, three girls actually that wanted to come and watch us jump and stuff, and. Um, mm-hmm. We were hiking up, saying like a half an hour hike, and Nate ran off in front, and he was like, "Oh, dude, I'm just gonna go and do a poop." And I was like, "Cool, no worries." Mm-hmm. So I was walking up, and then we got to like this point on the hike where I was like, "Fuck, can I have some?" I was like, "Shit," and I was like, "The girls are like, oh my god, it stinks of shit here. It's disgusting." I was like, "All right, I won't throw Nate in the deep end and say that he's doing a poop in the woods, but you know, get to the exit. By the time I got to the exit, geared up." fully zipped up ready to go nate still wasn't there mm-hmm. i was like sometimes you get a little bit worried I'm like the girl's like oh where's Nate? like what's he doing i was like i don't know like he said he was going for a poop and he's not back yet anyway comes around the corner like another 10 minutes later and he's like covered in water oh no and i'm like uh what's happened he's like oh fuck you won't believe what just happened to me i'm like like, tells us up. <laughs> and he's like, well, you guys were walking up the hill, and I realized that I was, like, pooping, like... On the trail? Really close to the track, uh. like, to the trail that you were walking on. So I, like, ran behind this rock, and in the process of doing it, I fell in my shit and, like, rolled through it. Oh, no. And I got, like, poo on my hands and, like, poo on my pants. So I was, like, run back down the path, like, covered in poop, and the reason he was wet <laughs> is because he had washed himself. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that was why he was wet. Like, he went through this massive ordeal of basically this, like, getting him pooing on himself, essentially. Also known as my worst nightmare. No, it it is such a bad thing to happen. And then, like, by the time he geared up and stuff, I was like, can we just, like, not high-five on this session? (laughs) (laughs) Nate just forever unclean. Right before we risk our lives, I can't touch you. I I can't do that, mate. I know we're good friends, but I can't do that. And um, (laughs) it was was cool because on the exit, he was leading and he was, like, keeping his count. I was, like, three, two, one. And I think he shouted, like, poo pants or something like that. So, you know, we were both, like, subterminally starting to fly, and he already had me in stitches. Yeah, I was like, going to say. And it was short, short rock drop as well. I was like, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was good. I mean, there you go. if I'm going to go in laughing, that's probably the best way. Oh, for sure. If it was to happen, at least you'd be stoked, eh? <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. So poop is funny, and there's a reason yeah. that, that I think just that like basic reason that it's always going to be funny. It will always come yeah. up at least once in conversation. You know, amongst and I mean, our I friends. I mean, even talking about it then between the three of us and like sharing stories, like the whole time, like my jaw hurts from telling that story because I was smiling so much. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's just a, it's a funny topic. Yep. And now we've used about fifty percent of our time talking about poop, which is awesome. So uh, and we, we have as much time as you want to yeah. have. But, uh, <laughs> but so so when we when we started down that road, uh, we we were on airplane food for a minute. And, you know, we chose the high road and to talk about poo, but the other, the, you know, less uh, serious question we wanted to ask at some point was, what are your current dietary habits? Yep. What, what, yeah, I was going to say, what is the diet now, of Now Sam that we Hardy got the serious question out of in, the way. In February 2018, because <laughs> there's, been, there's been a roller coaster. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. So um, January, start of the year was... I stopped doing the plant-based stuff because I actually... Did you go carnivore? Um, January went... Uh, I did full vegan for all of January. Uh, and I had one cheat meal, which was called Taco Brown. Awesome. It was absolutely amazing. Had that in Mexico. I was going to say, there's, a, there's another had... poop story in there somewhere. <laughs> not not for that one. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's fine. Again. It's just Taco then, Brown. Right? That yeah, is could, the story. We could talk consistency of poos <laughs> with diets. So there's so many different routes. We yeah. there's, there's a lot of routes for this situation. Um, and then, yeah, and now actually um, I went down to 70.5 kilos after being on these like vegan and different diets and trying different things to see what worked. So yeah. I usually rest at 76. So I know this is like kind of like pretty boring to talk about so i've actually just gone back on to like an eat everything diet for a week mm-hmm. just to like put a bit more weight back on hmm. how, how are you liking that so far did you notice anything with the transition yeah haven't had a solid poop for a while and hmm. it's really nice just to actually just smash like whatever i want but i do mm-hmm. crave like uh crave uh, healthier foods for sure and then by the time we leave next week, I'll be back onto the, the veganness again because it is really mm. nice. So I will tell you a story about my January. Yes, please do. So instead of going vegan, I went the opposite, and I went all carnivore. Randy and I decided that January was going to be the month that we ate meat and drank water and nothing else. So no vegetables, no fruits, really? no complex carbs, nothing but ground beef, ribeye steaks, pork Shut chops, up. and I lost six kilos in three weeks and have abs again. Yeah, go ahead and direct your questions to Brian because I made it 10 days. And at had to, 10 had days, to tap out. yeah, Randy quit. He, he got nauseous at the smell of meat. Meanwhile, I was... Are you are you like are you actually being serious? Right? I am hundred hundred percent serious, but I don't post it on Facebook. Uh, you so know, I don't either. Right? I just talk about it a bit too much when people start talking about it. Yeah, I get stoked about it. Which is why Did I was you, super stoked to talk to you guys about it because we could can just. Can I ask you a question about this? Yes, I'm, I'm really intrigued because um, it's really intriguing. It actually is. If you're you're not joking right now, are you? No. I, I so the only thing I did cheat with was coffee. I did not eliminate coffee because I figured that's okay. just dirty water, and there's zero cal like the calories don't count. 
because there are none. Um, or it's like minuscule. Yeah, it's like five calories or something. Yeah. So I didn't cut out coffee. I mean, that's plain coffee. Like yeah, no, black. no sugar, no, no, yeah. no milk, just no black coffee. Just black, black coffee. Just that water and beans. Stimulants to get me through my work week. Um, huh. Water and fatty red meat. And then like, so, right. so here's, the, here's what's really interesting. You know how everybody talks about lean protein and, you know, vegetables as a, as a healthy diet. Yep. I on a zero carb diet, lean protein is terrible. I did not enjoy like you know, if you eat a chicken breast, you feel feel pretty good. I eat a chicken breast and I'm like, I want food. Don't give me this lean shit. Like when I was eating wow. a salmon, I would not feel satiated till I ate the salmon skins and all the oils and the grease and, and the, the yeah, fats. Yeah, because you need that stuff with it. You, because you have to eat it all, yeah. You're, you're burning fat for, for energy. So, like, That's insane what, that you did that, dude. What's really interesting, though, is the fact that once your body starts burning fat and you crave it, like, it flips the entire dietary norm on its head. Whereas instead of, oh, butter and fatty ribeye steak... And, uh, you know, those kinds of things are going to give you a heart attack. Fuck. I felt amazing. Like it was like the, it was a great month. And at the end of the month I said, you know what? I feel really good and could keep doing this. However, it is a little inconvenient. (laughs) Really expensive. So no, think about this. (laughs) Think about how much ground beef costs. Ground beef is cheap. You know, making mincemeat and salt like, cause yeah, I mean, the the only thing I did miss, and I think that's a a, a part of our, um, you know, the wiring that we have been brought up with to mm-hmm. surround our social interactions around food, and food becomes a you know kind of like a drug of, you know, making our mouth feel good. So instead of, you know, um, doing that and having, you know really decadent meals you would just eat for energy and then get on with your day like you would fuel up and then just rock on exactly you're just if you look at your body in a way that it's like um it's a it's a it's a motor and it needs fuel to to run that's it it's super black and white and it's just it's really interesting to hear say that about how you just basically just smashed meat only for a month yep and i'm thinking and this is like something else you said that you only drank water yep so you were sober yep yeah i stayed sober for almost the entire month there were a couple of nights yeah we did a couple of recordings and it's we have a tendency to drink uh glenlivet or a little bit of beer while we record yeah as presently we're drinking beer we we had a a couple drinks Um, for this recording However, so I would, it affects yeah, you more. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so if you drink, when you're on zero carb, um, like a shot of scotch will, you know, fully, you, you'll, you'll feel it more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that a huge attribute to both of this, like I'm now, this is cool, it's got my brain like thinking heaps, is awesome that you went on... Um, to try that to see how it worked out and obviously it sounds like it had you know good effects for you mm-hmm. but something that i think doesn't necessarily get spoken about in a dietary form of like hey i'm on a diet i'm so vegan i'm so like plant-based and stuff is actually the alcohol as well mm-hmm. so 
Um, you won't actually believe this, and it feels very odd to say, but until about, I think it was like five days ago, I pretty much had January sober as well yeah. and lost a lot of weight. I had two nights drinking. For sure. Like more or less uh, after the boogie, so within three weeks. And I think that that was like a huge attribute that affected um, my weight and how I operated as well, obviously for, you know, obvious uh, things. But I think that was like a main thing for um, weight loss as well. So yep. it would be interesting if you could do that again for mm-hmm. a drink and then just see. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the interesting know. things about <clears> – because <throat> there was a worldwide carnivore month. And so there That's was a, so badass, dude. There's a, such a man. well now that i now that i'm actually starting to notice like some physical changes yes i have decided well i can't i can't keep up the uh meat only thing just on a day-to-day basis because it takes a lot of prep and planning that i'm not into i've introduced vegetables and uh not like pure sugar vegetables like uh you know bell pepper paprika those kind of things but like spinach and yeah like yeah. nutritional nutritious vegetables so yeah. i've introduced those back in yeah. and those i mean at that point i feel good because i can eat a salad and feel great and yeah. then you know i can have a big ass steak for dinner with a salad and and feel great but what was nice about zero carb is that you got rid of all the variables and you were eating yep. one thing and you were drinking water. So there was no other variable. And so then you can introduce other things in and see how they f- make you feel. Yep. So for anybody that's, that's got that's, one of those like You said dietary. it, you like nailed it right there. It's all to do with how it makes you feel. Yep. And I think that all of us humanoids have like certain things that do and don't work for our bodies. Yep. But actually I think that that's, that changes a lot, you know, like through culture where you're brought up like um like what's in your blood uh previous like generations of like food and uh, other dietary requirements yep but i think it's a really nice way is to like ultimately the only reason you want to do it is not because you want to tell everyone that how awesome it is and make a big statement about your life quote unquote i really like the fact that you didn't um i only just found out about this as well which is super sick yeah um but it's it's uh, good to only do it for yourself to find out what works. That's basically what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Well, so and that's, if, and that's what the, one of the big things I learned was the human body is highly adaptable to any environment. Oh, hello. Hello. So it will, it will learn how to survive on whatever you put in it. Whether that's complete garbage, it will get by, as attested to most of the U.S. diet. Yeah. Or, you know, if you think about... You know, there are no vegans in the Arctic Circle. The Inuits and the Eskimos don't have a... They don't get to go pick a salad out of the uh, tundra. They they eat whale blubber <laughs> exactly and that. seal meat, you know, so they survive off of... Yeah. You know, so there is this complete range of human ability when it comes to so, dietary. Yeah. So it's exciting. I'm excited. So cool. <clears throat> I gave up on that for December, but uh, or January. So February, I reintroduced vegetables, trying right. to, st- but still avoid almost all sugars. I mean, I did have a cider today, so 
that's probably a massive thing as I did, we didn't even talk about that, but that's a huge, huge thing. Sugar, like, sugar is poison. That's massive. That and drinking your calories is so easy to do. That, yeah, super easy. Yeah. So February Maybe. is going to introduce uh, exercise. So I was able to lose six kilos Great. with zero. That's uh, ten and a half pounds for our uh, freedom listeners. But uh, yeah, I was able to lose weight without working out. Now I'm going to work out twice a week. Yeah. See where that goes. That's yeah, you know, and you know what, like. With that being said as well, it's like I always feel that when you do see like people are like, oh, I'm really like on this like path to just get really healthy and I'm like running every day and exercising for like an hour a day, but I'm just not losing weight. And then you sort of see mm. them slip in a can of Coke and like a Snickers mm. and you're like, just that alone is just fucked your whole day yep. <laughs> for yep. all the exercise you've done. Just don't do that. Yeah. Like, and... I think diet is pretty much 70% and the rest is made up of, um, of actual physical exercise as well. Yeah, and getting proper sleep. You know, I mean, if you're moving your body, you're sleeping right, and you're eating rel- relatively yeah. he- healthy, healthy, you're going to be all right. You know, but... Yeah, and it's all to do with how it makes you feel. And if, like, if you can, you know, say, Brian, if you only ate meat and you just smashed that and um, you were awesome and full of energy and like just super stoked mm-hmm. then good for fucking you man that's wicked see yeah like but if that's what you were doing and you were just sh- shitty to be around because you were craving things and not having it mm-hmm. then that's not really a good result well you know? i i see brian almost every day and i he wasn't hard to deal with during that that experiment mm-hmm. if anything that's i so was cool. hard to deal with because he yeah. stuck with it and i couldn't do it anymore yeah, yeah. so like I, I felt kind of bad <laughs> I, had, I had to deal with watching <laughs> randy almost come to tears almost become a complete chocolate crackhead yeah when yeah. we were at dinner at lisa's house and at the end of dinner, after we had eaten our big-ass ribeye steak, I felt great. Everything was good. Everybody else was eating their little bowl of veggies with their steaks. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I got this steak. I'm, I'm happy. Then they dump yeah, an be- entire kilo of chocolate and on the table. And you know which friends were talking about the work at the, the chocolate factory. Yeah. No, no yeah. exaggeration. The lint comes <laughs> yeah. pouring out of the bag and covers oh, the entire so table. Randy's face, it's, it wasn't danger, it was pure pain yeah. in his face. Well, I just don't Ooh. like being controlled, and in that so, moment I felt really controlled with that, that uh, Randy got experiment. to the point, he got to the yeah. point that he was contemplating, like, stealing some of the lint balls <laughs> off the table. <laughs> Going to the bathroom. And taking them <laughs> to the bathroom to eat them alone, yeah. where that's no one could you, see. That's when you know you have a problem. <laughs> Yeah, but you did what Randy wanted to do, and if that makes you happy, man, then that's good. <laughs> so we compromised, yeah, and it. I said, all right, let's have a piece of chocolate. And so I said, all right, and I grabbed one of the little, like, gold bar-looking lint chocolate things, and he grabbed the, the entire, entire bar, <laughs> the the entire bar, and said, yeah, that's one one bar. And I said, One no, piece. No. <laughs> no. You know what's really funny out of all of this? Um, stuff is that if someone was to listen to this podcast or the podcast that you've um, recorded previously as well is um, it's just really funny that we managed to talk about you know like oh well you know like it's it's healthier to do this and we're thinking about the exercise and you know Mm. like this is really important but at the same time like 
what we do is really fucking stupid. Mm. And that has such a much larger risk involved in it than like right. that piece of chocolate you might want to have. The elephant like, in the room, which is hucking yourself <laughs> off a cliff. And yet you're debating over whether or not to have a piece of chocolate or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's probably more stress goes into you wanting that piece of chocolate than it did for the base jump you did that day. 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you always have to do what you want to do that makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good, um, good topic. But yeah, you know, it was uh, it was definitely a fun fun uh, January. Uh, February is going to be actual exercise and and continuing the uh, almost sugar free with you know f- yeah few exceptions. And get on the yoga train as well. It will help you massively. Yeah, we've got so, that written down really to get into. Got to yeah. find. Uh, we got to get on that one. I've been doing that as part of my workout on uh, two my two days a week. Just yep. spend spend the first you know ten fifteen minutes stretching. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I and, mean. It's really, it's amazing how you can incorporate um, exercise into stuff. So as an example, I always said, oh, someone's like, oh, I don't have the time to exercise. Actually, that's just fucking BS. Total. No, you have to make time Um, for you, you know. Yeah. And that's part of it. I would always use uh, an example for this would be like, everybody more or less has a cup of coffee or tea in the morning. And it takes like, I don't know, between two and five minutes, depending on how good your kettle is to boil. But if you can just find that inner energy and that inner slope to like, turn your kettle on and you know when that kettle's on like it's workout time you just smash out as many push-ups as you can mm-hmm. if you could do like 50 push-ups every day that you had a coffee for a whole year that would be like 16,000 push-ups so mm-hmm. then you're going to kind of be like healthier and it's free time because mm-hmm. you're just waiting you just flick through Instagram flick through Facebook so I always force myself to like get up do exercise like because you know you can always make time for it but the, the kettle one's just like a, a no-brainer. And I just came up with an idea based off of that because you, if you put the same amount of water in the kettle every day, you're gonna it's going to take about the same amount of time to boil every day. And if every day you do, say, as many push-ups as you can before that water's done boiling or sit-ups or yep. whatever it is, squats, air squats, you can see improvement. Yeah, measure. Oh, oh, I've, I've got a new challenge. Boom. There you go. We just figured it out. Pioneering, yeah. boys. That's it right there. The, the Not the kettlebell challenge, but the water kettle challenge. <laughs> see, so let's see how many push-ups I can do while my water heats in the morning. I like that. Yeah, because yeah, uh, what you could do is start it empty and put that, like you said, the exact same amount, like a cup of water, mm-hmm. get on the boil, and then you could be like, right, I'm going to beat, you know, say you get 20 mm-hmm. push-ups or whatever it is. The day you're like, do one extra, four extra, like you'll be like, yeah. Fuck. like this is on now. Like that's that's a cool one, yeah, right? Really and it, and idea. if you let's say like Monday you decide you're gonna do push-ups, and then Tuesday you're like, oh, I'm sore. Okay, we'll do squats, and then Wednesday I do sit-ups, and then Thursday you're yeah. like, oh, my chest isn't sore anymore. I'm gonna do push-ups again. And you get to and reward exactly, yourself yeah. with that morning cup of coffee. Boom. Yeah, All right. straight after. Randy and I and just had you know like head, well? head explosions. You're with the guys traveling around, and you. In your bag with your kettles. Yeah, well, because <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't care where you, where you are in the world. If you're at a hotel, they almost always give you like a kettle in, in the hotel room. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty something you can stay pretty consistent with. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, good right. concept. Yeah. Mm. So now I'm motivated. So I think I might, uh, I might do the 
Well, you have to come up with something cute for the name, like uh, the morning kettle kinesiology or something like that. Yeah, we'll come up with a catchy name that we can uh, shamelessly promote nowhere. Well, and, and hashtag and oh, do, no, do absolutely nothing with. <laughs> Who are we kidding? <laughs> I've got one for you for your hashtags. Do it. Kettle size. Mm. Hashtag kettle size. Yep. It's like exercise, but with a kettle. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I like that. You know, yep. kettle size. Earn your coffee in the morning. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice. So, Sam, uh, when when we were actually communicating about uh, doing this recording, you were in Mexico. Yes. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about um, who you're with, what you were doing, um, all, all of the, you know, a little bit of background. Oh, damn it! I was gonna go pee while I listened, but I'm gonna miss this story. George doing hell slow mo. No, tell the story. I'll actually listen to the podcast afterwards. <laughs> I'll be right back. Um, yeah, so Mexico basically was, it all originated from um, Nate and myself wanted to get some, basically wanted to up our skill set, but more in the three-dimensional side of flying. So in 2000 and, da, 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 actually no, it was last year, so 2017, uh-huh. um, we went to Brazil. Uh, Robbie came over and Edo and a bunch of other people came over. We had a small team of like eight of us. And Yano came over and did some coaching with us, which was awesome. We had loads of fun. We learned heaps of stuff. And obviously, like, we wanted to progress our own skill set, so that ended up happening. And then uh-huh. afterwards, uh, we ended up speaking to Robbie saying, oh, we should totally, like, do these events uh, once a year and try and grow them each year. And then we bashed our heads together. And between Nate and myself sort of came up with this idea of what we wanted to do. And... Uh, we spent a little bit of time like finding the right location for the time it was going to be because we knew it would be in January. And I had a contact in Mexico. Nate has a really good foot in the door in, a Me- in Mexico, a, a drop zone down there. And then basically it all just boiled down to uh, us going down to Puerto Escondido. And we sent out the invites and we came up with like a list of people that we thought we could uh, sort of invite for like the first trial event and it turned out really good. We had 23 people in Mexico in the winter time, like in beautiful conditions, loads of jumping. And then with the people that were down there between uh, Nate, myself, Scotty P and Woody, uh, we sort of like ran the show as such like by flying base or lead or video or whatever. But it had this sort of really nice concept of like, just come down and have heaps of fun, do a bunch of jumps and we'll party in the evenings. And that was it. And uh, everyone was stoked on it. We ended up having Ian Jensen come down and we did tons of XLW stuff. And I'm sure you've seen some of the ridiculous pictures. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've never seen so many orange wingsuits in my life. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's just epic, dude. It was so amazing. And did loads of cool stuff. And yeah, yeah just had like a good um, a good 10 days in the sun and loads of jumping with people. And, you know, it's, uh, I think the main thing and the main concept behind it was to bring together the like the, the family as such of um, mm-hmm. Phoenix fly people and just have some fun, you know, like 
this is like a coaching weekend with some awesome people, but like there's no expectations. If you don't want to jump, you don't have to. Like it doesn't cost you anything apart from your slots. And we were getting 15 grand on every jump, which was wicked. So and our own plane, so it was awesome. Nice, nice. bro. It's really really cool. Yeah. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a recurring thing. Organized yeah, as well. Yeah. And is that which is, is going to be sick? And it's going to rotate, uh, or is it going to change locations every year? Or do you have it? Do you have you have you thought that far out? Or is it going to uh, be yeah, like so a? The, the next one, I I won't say just yet until it's completely confirmed. But um, we're in. To, it will be either one. In, is it, I, can't, I don't want to say. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're being, it's being organized at the moment, and um, it's going to be awesome, and we're going to make it even bigger and better. So we'll aim for probably 32-plus people for this next event. Nice. Maybe, like, 50 if we can. Very cool. Yeah, it'll be in January next year. Sweet. All right, I made it back. So Bam, uh, Bam, Bam, Sam. Yeah. Sorry, we, we Bam was supposed to be here. Um, no but uh, Sam, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about your experience last year at the World Wingsuit League. If I'm not mistaken, both you and Nate made the podium. Is that a fair statement? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Nate got second, and I got third. So I was stoked with that. Um, World Wingsuit League is a, I would say, like a really fun, prestigious event. Super. Um, happy and like honoured to be invited to something like that obviously because it's basically the closest thing to a professional level wingsuit race that you can be sort of participate in um, and with that being said uh, James Bull and Iro who both organised the event for uh, last year did a really really good job and it was super slick um, organisation and it's good. The talent there is strong, man. Like people that you're racing against are fast, like real fast. <laughs> and mm. it's cool because um, everyone sort of stands the same chance at winning because the variables of messing something up, which would be there's a few. It would be exiting too soon uh, from the start gate and the start timer, uh, flying the wrong track or flying too close to terrain. Uh, exiting at the wrong angle and not having enough canopy time. So basically what that means is that every single jump that you do has to be absolutely perfect. So you need a really good exit, the right direction, a perfect flight, and uh, plenty of canopy time. I think they set it to 40 seconds. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it's, it's full on. It's like going into battle, you know, when you when you're when you go and race, it's sort of everyone stood there watching and you're like, so I just get so fired up, like full focus, but I'm also really enjoying it and joking around. But as soon as you exit, it is like everything you've got to go as fast as you can. And then as soon as you end up landing on the ground and being there, you're like, Oh, what time did I get? Like, how did I do? Mm -hmm. And then you set a really good time. And I remember actually on, I think it was on the final race. I was, I was in first position and Carson and Nate hadn't gone, and they were going to be the two that to, that would have like were expected to be even faster than I was from yeah, the previous times. Two oh, dudes no. I wouldn't so, want behind me if <laughs> if my no. scores are posted <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but obviously, like you know, I was like, oh man, this is this is good. Like I'm in a really strong position. Like I'm in first right now. And then Nate's time I think came through, 
and he nudged me up to second and I was like well Carson's obviously going to be quick and then it all ended up like sort of unfolding that that was the order that it came through so Carson walked away with first um, Nate was second and myself with third and I was really happy and super proud of Nate and myself and Carson as well because Carson had been to the World Ring City this was his fourth year there last year and um, he got first and he deserved that a lot more than anyone else and I was proud of him and everyone was super stoked but a very very cool event all round yeah and he's a he's an awesome dude he, did yeah, you know he's he wicked. he uh he did my AFF yes he did yeah yeah I remember you saying before yeah so so one of the things Randy and I started doing this year is uh 15 hours of tunnel time holy crap yeah so Alex Amard from Satori Factory is dragging us through 15 hours of tunnel and uh wow. one of the really cool things about it we did our first three hours uh last two january, weeks ago yeah. yeah at the end of january nice boys that's oh, awesome oh yeah and so um one of the interesting things he mentioned was you know smile relax have fun and everything else will fall into place and so when we're talking about world wingsuit league you know Competition. How, how do how do you what is what is that one little tip for how do you go as fast as you can? Is there actually thinking involved? Are you just mind out of the equation? Like what what do you, what do you look at when it comes to competing at that top level? Do you know what? this is actually kind of an interesting question as well? Is because only I just like cleared out one of um, my GoPro uh, cards. Um, a few days ago and the footage from the World Wingsuit League was on there and one of the ways that I've always dealt with being on an exit um, in a racing situation or on a normal base jump or on any given exit is that obviously when you go jump off something you shit your pants like you can't not shit your pants because what you're about to do has potentially um, a hazard to kill you absolutely so there's that. Or you're a psychopath if you're not scared anymore, like maybe. Yeah, so I, I have this, I don't know if it's weird, but basically what I do is I completely remove all the fear out of my head, everything that it's got, when it, and that can be a, like a really low level of fear or like a high level of fear or high level of stress, low level of stress. Get rid of all of it, like completely eradicate it, and I turn it into fun and laughter and super stoke. So on all the footage from the top of the exit at the World Wingsuit League, I'm just giggling. I'm super happy. And obviously it's because I am. And then Nervous. basically from that point, because I am in a happy place and a happy environment, then everything else around that revolves the same way. So I am actually genuinely happy when I'm doing stuff like that. And I take that into the flying style. And then obviously when it comes time to flying, I'm basically trying to fly as fast as possible. And, and smoothly as well. That's like uh, another major thing is just being smooth with everything. And then you sort of see where you're at. Um, and yeah, regardless of the situation, I always say to myself, if, if I mess something up or I don't place well, I'm, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm having fun, I'm in China. Like They're all good things. Right, you're surrounded by amazing people. Exactly. And, and the food's epic and the people are awesome and it's a privilege to be at an event like that. And, you know, if you end up coming out last, like, who cares? Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, you're, you're still at the party. Part, you're you there. Have fun. 
and you just jumped off a cliff and flew a wingsuit and then threw out a bunch of lines and material into the air at a high speed and landed a parachute on a bridge in front of a TV crew and like thousands of people watching. Like that's a really, really cool thing to do. So and regardless that, of where and, you and that's your reality. That's not just made up. You know, that's that's so cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's cool like that. Yeah, so one thing I guess a lot of people don't consider, you know, because, you know, competing in base presents certain um, considerations, you know, and, and uh, you you want to make sure everything is right for you and, and just, um, you know, doing doing your thing, but then at the same time also trying to do better your than, best. You know? <laughs> yeah. Better than others. Right. Um, but one thing that, I feel like this is a pretty common topic, but still worth bringing up is um, the effects of like social media, you know, on jumping and then like more people coming in uh, due to the social media, the popularity and that then also like people pushing things because, you know, they, they want to share it online. And um, we had a, we had a question regarding that. Thanks to Val Phillips one on Instagram. But um, what are your thoughts on that, Sam? Um, I think that obviously it has, it's a, it, yeah, I think that there's, there's pros and cons obviously to like what social media has done, mm-hmm. um, with that line of thing. What was the, what was the exact question? Just so I stay on track. Right. Yeah. Val Phillips one asks, uh, how do they feel about social media impacting the sport, both the influx of new people and people pushing to more dangerous levels faster? Sure. Yeah. There's like that's like a massive right. That, a, we could do an hour on that's that a, alone. That's a, that's a book. Just talk about it for ages. <laughs> um, so it started with like, grinding the crack and Jeb Corliss. And uh, no, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I use social media for uh, putting up certain things and jumps that I do, but I don't put everything up. I probably post ten percent of the base jumps I do a year on social media and I look at it as a form of terms of if there's something really cool that you want to share it with friends then you can um also because I work in the business to have um consistency in showing that means uh involvement in the sport so if jobs pop up via social media it's always a really good thing as well um and I think that for me on my scale and with what I do and how I work within the sport that's a pro for me uh, cons are that people can misinterpret the work that goes into certain things. And with that being said, um, I think that there gets this massive loss of actual commitment um, in the sport with the people with basically the stuff that people have done is not portrayed in the right way. So if you were to look at it black and white form, um, let's say that I posted a video of flying like a very technical line in Chamonix um, before, but that took like, and I know exactly one line that I did do, it took like 26 attempts before I got it just right, and I studied it, and I put hours and hours, days, weeks of work into it. It actually took me three months, to, three or four months to do. But then when you post it, people obviously don't see the work that, has gone into it and the credibility that's gone into it yeah as they well. see it, the polished product just, exactly it's sort of like with anything like you don't we don't see the original designs of like the iphone we see like the finished perfect one so it's like i think that that can be a con in the way that 
that can drive people to say, oh, I want to go and do that because I've seen it's been done and it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's all the experience that gets you to that point, like in the first place. There's like, there's pros and cons. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, like, there's yeah. so many different subjects and topics. And then, um, or we could talk about pros, poo. Something I really like at the moment uh, with social media and base jumping is the Facebook page experts, which I think is absolutely wicked. It's such a great platform. Which one? Um, experts or experts X. Yeah, that's the. Uh, oh, you're talking about birds. Bird, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's just what like we was called. We just were see what was on birds today. Birds. You know? Yeah. The yeah. base instance uh, re- was it recording and safe? No. Base incidents. Uh, I'm just gonna have to look it reporting up. Reporting and reporting debriefing and safety. Yeah. It's that page is literally. I don't know who came up with it or who manages it or anything, but that yeah. is the best thing that's happened on social media for base jumping. Absolutely. Ever. Um, it doesn't matter about view counts or likes. It's about um, correct information being shared properly yeah. as a resource and people acknowledging it in whatever way they want. In a, and, and most people are actually pretty like quote unquote professional in there as well, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And it's self-correcting. So it's dissected. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. It's a wicked tool for everyone to learn from and that is a free open source of educational awesomeness for people to use. So but, Sam. Um, that would be a pro. Would you would you think or would you say that birds is a natural progression from basejumper dot com? Did you uh, did you ever use basejumper? Because the the forums on basejumper dot com were like the place to be, you know, five ten years ago. That's where you went to for all your information. And I find yeah, I find I, that birds has taken advantage of the advance in technology of things yeah, like. Yeah, so it's using. Uh, rather than a website, it's a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's using, obviously, Facebook, which pretty much it's safe to say everybody has. Uh, so if you've got Facebook, you can access it. And then on top of that, it's done with it's uh, better. the media player. The format of the media player is really, really useful. Exactly. And then you can see everybody via the Facebook, like, sort of uh, searching who's commenting on stuff and where they are and what they do and stuff like that. So it makes sense for it to be on there. Like, it's actually a really, really good idea. Yep. Yeah, and I I forget the if you have to be added to that group or if it's open. But yeah, I mean you, so, you 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 message the uh, the admin and they'll uh, they'll have to approve you. Yeah, make make sure you're actually yeah. a base jumper. Yeah, but. yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, I get a so, lot out yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. When I started jumping, all we all we really had was uh, uh, basejumper dot com as to as a repository for information and uh i i I guess i observed some i was just turned off to it yeah i mean there were some you know people would get caught up in arguments and this and that and and it just kind of turned me away from going to forums really i I don't i don't spend a whole lot of time on on base forums these days uh though maybe i I probably should just to do a better job of keeping in touch but i I do a good job of showing Randy, really good birds posts. Yeah, I let I let Brian filter out all the BS posts and, and tell me about the good ones. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, with 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 that stuff as well. Like with the uh, basejumper dot com or dot org, wasn't it? Um, it's 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 good, but it just it's like times are changing, and 
with that being said, obviously, like, um, like the the accessibility to Facebook over that uh, old page is is different. So yeah. it's just way easier to have it on your phone. Like, yeah. I think it's almost like we we're more in the MTV sort of stage of right of base mm-hmm. jumping now. You know. Yeah, 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 and I don't mean to say anything bad about basechumper.com. Like Video just, killed the radio yeah, stars, right, what we're talking go. about. Yeah, it's just all that's happened, isn't it, really? Yeah, but, it's just um, a, uh, One thing we probably should have done a little sooner in this, Sam, uh, in this in this recording, was uh, talk a little bit about your like pre-base jumping, skydiving life, and uh, what, what you're up to. We, we talked about the rafting and, and whatnot uh, leading up to this, but how did you get into skydiving and base jumping? <laughs> uh... That's a, it's a good one to ask. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief, obviously, because I don't want to take up tons of time talking about it. Uh, but uh, there's a professional climber uh, called Tim Emmett. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Uh, I'm not I'm not super into the climbing scene. No, I climb out uh, of necessity sometimes, but <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was, for me, like uh, when I was sort of 14, 15 and climbing all day, every single day, uh, he was someone that I idolized and looked up to. And then he ended up coming to the college that I was studying at. And he did a talk. And in that talk, he spoke about skydiving. And I was like, well, this is like the coolest shit I've ever heard of. And then he started talking about base jumping. And I was like, well, hang on a sec. That makes way more sense. And that's right. way cooler. <laughs> um, and then I ended up like just picking his brains a bit in the talk that he did. Like, how do you do this? And he's like, well, you know, you've got to do an AFF. Like... And then you can, like, think about base jumping, like, once you've got a few jumps on your belt. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to do that. And then um, my dad could sort of see, like, how absolutely mesmerized I was by this talking. Mm-hmm. And he knew that I wasn't going to go to university. Like, he knew that I wasn't going to do that. And this was probably the best thing that has ever happened in my life. But he said to me as a, I guess you could say, as sort of, like, a dad to his son and also like a, 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 a boost for the studying I was doing. He said, if you pass college and you succeed at this, then I will support um, your decision. If you want to go through the AFF course, then I will help you with it. So obviously right then and there, I was like, fuck me, I'm doing this. Right. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. um, because obviously he allowed that to happen. He enabled me and gave me that opportunity, which I've been eternally thankful for because yeah. um, I wouldn't be where I was now and then it was pretty much six months later like had finished college had passed like really put in the hours and that was like um, an ingredient for me to work harder at what I was studying and then um, yeah I went out to Spain uh, did the FF and the first jump I ever did was my first level one FF I didn't ever do a tandem or anything and uh, yeah ended up doing the FF course did 25 jumps in like six days or five days <laughs> and then I <laughs> didn't jump for three years i think oh i think i did yeah i did six skydives in that time and then basically i mean that's enough to money. stay current if you do one every six months like you're, you're barely <laughs> yeah. keeping it in there i think i think that's like, current i don't know yeah, i was like frothing on videos but i just couldn't do <laughs> yeah. it because i was still studying and stuff and just financially couldn't afford it and then basically made a big commitment saved up a ton of money and i converted camper vans at the time and saved all the money up from doing that which is kind of fun. And then, yeah, moved to Portugal and sort of one-way ticket with my van and everything and went and uh, 
did a bunch more skydiving. I won't use exact numbers because it won't be. Yeah, it's fine. It's not. It's not important. <laughs> it, maybe it's not the standard about. that you guys hold at learn to base jump. dot com now. Yeah, yeah probably like seventy percent right? uh, <laughs> less, maybe. <laughs> That's why we have standards now, because once upon a yeah. time, standards didn't exist, and standards wasn't a thing, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, and then did a base course, and I won't say which base course I did, but um, I didn't learn anything, <laughs> no. and I'm surprised that I am in the position I am in now as well to be able to share that with other people because, you know, my my uh, third jump was a slider down cliff at 100 meters, free falling it. Like that was my third jump, so um, that was retarded. But I thought it was normal. Yeah. So when and that's when, pretty when... much it. When you tell someone not to do something because it's a bad idea, you can probably relate on a level like uh, maybe you tried it. <laughs> so I know, uh, yeah, I know yeah. I, I've been there yeah. a dozen times because I had a similar introduction to the sport. But Yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, dealt with right. it. Yeah. This is how you fix it. <laughs> yeah. be, be better than us. Don't do that <laughs> yet. Yeah, yeah. We've... Uh... <laughs> That's the thing as well. With like, actually, one of Dingsley's expressions that I really like, he always says, "There's been enough blood spilt for this," mm-hmm. like, which is totally true because um, there has been. So, you know, when accidents happen and people, I don't know, pull low, mm-hmm. you're like, "Fucking hell!" Like, just pull like a bit higher. Like, right. yeah, sure enough, you can have a four-second canopy ride every now and then if you want to, which obviously is retarded, but like. You'd, we're not sort of reinventing the wheel as such with uh, with that stuff anymore. It's all been done. Yeah, and it doesn't get you anything. Mm-mm. No, it gets you nowhere. It literally puts you like way further back, <laughs> whether yeah. it's a minor accident or a major accident. You know? Yeah, when um, I I just look at it, and this yeah. and you you can't necessarily well, I guess you can relate to this to a degree, but you are doing pretty impressive things in the sport. But for me and Brian, you know, it's like things we're doing have already been done a thousand times. Like we're we're not reinventing anything here. So before we go and do something, you know, crazy, it's like, well let, okay, let's let's just think about this. It's actually not that crazy. So yeah. and it's been done that, and it's on YouTube. So you know, if, take that into consideration. The, thing is, the, the way I would look at that for you know, as you're talking about it yourself, then obviously, obviously you're sharing that with me, which is really mm-hmm. cool. But like the way I would look at something like that is the thing that we all want to achieve or specifically you yeah who cares if it's been done a hundred times or 200 times it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because ultimately we want to be doing it for ourselves and what hasn't been done hundreds of times is someone turning around and saying i've been in this sport for 30 years of 5,000 base jumps i know what i'm talking about which is where the experience outweighs anything that's Mm -hmm. ever been done so it's always the um, playing the marathon which is the way that i try and play the sport continuously rather than the sprint because that's like that's how you gain the um education experience that we all need to be able to basically live in live in this sport for as long as we can which is you know all of it's there like we all know how to do it now it's just ego management and controlling all our risk factors as well yeah you know and uh we're we're actually talking to uh jp to cam uh this coming coming up um but uh during his event in Madeira last year, um, yes, we yeah, we yeah. got we we there was a crew a camera crew following us around for a, for a bar, par, car, he coordinated through him not following us, but uh, there was a the camera crew was there and um, almost all of us walked off of a jump, and I, we actually got to like talk to the camera guy about 
why we're walking away <laughs> and and they left that a, a section of that in the final product which i was pretty stoked about because you don't really get to see that you know very often in in a bass video or yeah. in a production no, it's but, not a bass every video if you watch someone walk away is it? right <laughs> yeah. but but most people don't realize just how much walking away we have a tendency to do you know like that would almost be funny to do is to make a video of like all the times that you walked away <laughs> yeah or or right, or woke up it, right yeah i'm gonna walk away yeah yeah not this one just make that the edit that's the sick edit yeah yeah and then <laughs> video of you lying in bed with an alarm going off and just going i'm walking away and just I'm hitting snoozed away, yeah. and going back to sleep well there and there yeah. there's some fun uh bass videos uh the, i think it was called dance class where they, they put out it was there wasn't a single bass jump in any of these videos but it's all bass jumpers like dancing before or after jumps and just Fun, fun, lighthearted videos. Uh, I'll see if I can find some of those to put in the, the show notes. Beautiful. But not <laughs> a single jump in, in any of the videos. It was called Dance Class. But uh, before we go, Sam, I wanted to ask you one other question. Um, that So out, if you were to do anything outside of the sky sports as a profession, if you could do anything, what, what would it be? Hmm. I think I'd probably try and be two two things. I always really like, if I had another life, I'd love to be a rock star. That would be like one thing. Um, wait a minute. You, you right already, wait, hang on. You, you're you already a rock right, star. Like, uh, There's a Valley Bass Gear band. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the Valley Bass Band. The Valley Bass Band is as close to rock star status as you're going to get. Consists of you, Brian, and Dukes, for those listening <laughs> that have never heard you guys perform live. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that video is living on either yours or Nate's hard drive somewhere. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't even seen it. I haven't either. Video. Yeah. Where we, where we um, sold out crowd, by the way, at the yeah, Horner Pub. Yeah, we sold out that night. It was pretty packed. Hundreds. I don't hundreds know, of something people. creative. Something creative, something that is because with the wingsuit stuff, it is a huge creativity of like everything, like access to it, like how you fly online, like all that stuff. But like something creative is like what my brain's telling me is what I'd like to do. So whether that's making music or um, I always like the concept of being a race car driver as well would be like mm. cool as fuck. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Race car driver yeah. would be a lot of fun. Yeah, probably a little. Well, maybe less dangerous. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I've started another conquest um, just recently. I'm doing my pilot's license, um, which is ah. which is which is cool. I've just done like my first hour, so that's like a new a new thing. Because why not? Does it give you a yeah. new you... appreciation of what drop zone pilots have to go through? Yeah. Are you and doing fixed wing or rotor wing? Like, like uh, start with private. Private oh, so, is fixed. You okay, so it's get, always. Yeah. Okay, I, I just I just jump out of planes. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you have it's to. cool. It's nowhere near as fun as wingsuiting, though. Just yeah. so you know, and yeah. it's, it's way more expensive. More expensive, <laughs> more responsibility, more talking yeah. on radios. And the guy that like I went to like go do the like the, the first flight course with, he was like, "Oh, well, I know that you do all this wingsuit stuff, but yeah." flying planes is you know it's very professional like you've got to like keep your head on your shoulders and calculate numbers and it's very precise and i was like yeah that's cool like no worries he's like but you know obviously with what you do like loads of people die but we're not about that here i was like okay yeah oh, that's cool. he's like, yeah we're, we're, we're not about serious. dying either personally <laughs> just saying 
it happens. And he just but... went off on this fucking rant, and I'm like, all right, chill out, mate. And then like by the end of it, he's like, you know, we we take it very professionally, and we're gonna we don't do things we're not supposed to do, like flying close to the ground. And I was like, hang on a second, you're telling me that I can't fly close to the ground in a plane? He's Correct. Like, well, no, you're not really allowed to do that because of this stuff. And I was like. Fucking arsh day you mate. As soon as I got this license, I'm gonna be sending it wherever I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um you know, maybe the maybe there's another instructor out there that might be more your wavelength. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. But all right, brother. Well, I tell you what, uh I don't know if Randy's ready to wrap it up, but I I feel like after an hour and a half yeah, yeah, that's yeah, generally yeah, a good, yeah. We good know amount. you got it's it's evening time in Japan for you, and and it's daytime here for us. And uh, and Bam, have, Bam's wondering what happened to us because we right. rolled out of the uh, Valley Base yeah. house. Sorry, we Take couldn't have Bam on here with you. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but anyways, yeah, brother, thank you for being uh, an early proponent of this uh, project that we're doing, the Base Life Podcast, yeah. and. Thanks for having um, us as well. I really, 100%. really appreciate you reaching out and having a nice little chat and stuff. And I think that what you're doing with the concept of the podcast is like a really, really nice idea as well. And yeah, I'll be you. sure to listen to everyone else's. And I hope yeah. that you can, um, you know, you're, you're doing it for the fun of it and the creativity, which is great. And hopefully you can share this information with people and share with the other podcasts and it becomes like a thing that people get stoked on, which is really cool. Yeah. And if there are people out there, you know, jumpers that are interested in doing this kind of thing, I'd be happy to talk to them offline about a lot of the considerations that go into this because the recording is actually the easiest part of it. Uh, you know, like the, sometimes it's a little more art than science, but you know, we, uh, just, just scheduling times, you know, with, with you being in Japan, us being in Switzerland, um, yeah, make, making yeah, that work. Uh, and then that well, we made it work, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, um, and it's going to be even better when we see you in person. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll for sure do a, yeah. a, a legit live recording, uh, maybe over the um, VVG opening weekend party in May. Maybe we can set something yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool to do so. something live, especially with um, other people that would be there as well. So we can probably come up with something. Yeah, yeah. We schedule off some time and, and, and get some some other people on here that. That maybe we don't know as well, but you do. But either yeah, way, bro. Too. Yeah. Yes, thank you, boys. Really All right. nice to talk to you both. Enjoy okay. the rest of your trip. Give Steph a hug for us. Yeah, and we will see you soon, brother. We love you. Will do. Love you, boys, too. See ya. Ciao. Cool. All right, Brian, you got anything else? Nope. nope. I really got a piece. So, so let's do this. All right. Let's call it this a day. This was a Base Life podcast. Thanks, guys. We're out. All right, if you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com, facebook.com backslash thebaselife, and on Instagram, we're at base.life. All right, thanks.